For the past couple weeks, we have been in a series called Multiply. And this series has taught us about what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Mark explored the way of growth and the stages of discipleship and how we should be continuing to move forward in our Christian growth and growing closer to God as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Today, we are going to examine how we are to reach people for Jesus Christ. Each one, reach one. You know, people have always been attached, uh, they've attached special meaning to a person's last words. We might uh, mark or recall a person's last words said to us maybe before they passed away into the eternal. When a person's last words, we know uh, those words are to be taken seriously. And just before Jesus ascended, he imparted some important words to his followers, words to us. And his last words on earth are pretty vital to the importance of his mission and ministry. These words from Jesus are found in the 28th chapter of Matthew. And they've always been important to the church. He told them and he tells us what he wants his followers to do. And he assures us that he will be with us as we do it. And we call these words, Jesus stated, the Great Commission. Let's look at this together. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, all authority on earth has been given to me. This authority did not come from Rome, did not come from Caesar, did not come from the Jews. It was given to Jesus by his Father. Why? Because he rose from the dead in victory. He died on the cross for our sins. And he speaks on his Father's behalf. And here's what God commissions us to do. To go. To make disciples out of everyone. We are to go and make disciples. There's a little imperative word there. It's go. And then all of those words like make, baptize, teach, obey, and to follow, that sort of make it like military marching orders. Go is such a simple word with a simple mean, meaning. Don't just stand there. Do something. We use it to start races. On your mark, get set, go. That's, there's not a racer anywhere who hears those words and hearing the starting pistol and says, who, me? Who, me? <laughs> We're on a mission with Jesus' people to know the hope of the good news and to take the good news. And there's a God who knows them, who loves them, who wants them. And Jesus modeled for us the best way to do this while on earth is through discipleship. He spent three years training his followers to create new disciples. And it's the same for us. We are in training. We are learners and followers. In order to do that, we have to go, 
not stay put. And what does this going mean for us? Where do we go? I think first and foremost, we are to step into people's lives. We are to lean in to their existence, beginning with those closest to us. Conversations with neighbors across the fence, a cup of coffee with a coworker or a relative whom we know need the Lord. Making a friend, being a friend, leading a friend to Jesus Christ. The early church was constantly going. God always initiated an outward movement through the early church. I totally dig the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch found in Acts chapter 8. He's instructed by an angel to go down the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, and he doesn't ignore that order. He goes. And on the road, he sees a eunuch who is a high-ranking official for the queen of the Ethiopians. And that dude is heading down to Jerusalem in a chariot. The Holy Spirit tells Philip to go up to that chariot. And we can see Philip in our mind's eyes. He's running alongside of this chariot. And this guy's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he yells up to him, Do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch tells him that he doesn't. And he invites Philip to come up with him in that chariot. And this eunuch needs things explained to him. Check out the passage of scripture this eunuch was reading in Acts chapter 8, 32 and 33. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. This eunuch inquires from Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? And Philip, with that passage of scripture, tells the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, some water comes up alongside that chariot. And the eunuch says, hey man, there's some water here. Why can't I be baptized? And Philip and him get into that water. Philip baptizes him, and that eunuch goes away rejoicing. Do you notice how God is working in the background, setting things in motion? You see, God is prepping this eunuch's life for Jesus' ministry through Philip's going. God is wooing people everywhere, my friends, into a relationship with himself. God is this hound of heaven pursuing You know, I was thinking the other day, if God's the hound of heaven, maybe we're like a dog whistle. You know, think about that. We just sang, you're working, you're working. Even when I don't know it, you're working, you're working, you're working. And God is working in the background of people who you know, drawing those people to himself. John Wesley always assumed that God was working in the background of people's lives when he, had, when he did ministry unto them. To bring them the faith in Jesus Christ into a deeper relationship. God gets excited when we bring people to him. Pray specifically for a couple people that God will open a door for you to share your faith. And trust me, if you pray that prayer, God will give you opportunities to come alongside of others just like Philip. Why? 
in order for that person to have the most incredible relationship, the most incredible existence and abundant life with Jesus Christ as a disciple. You see, Philip was living out the Great Commission, and he joins the eunuch on this journey. He shares the gospel. He was equipped to do so. You see, we are to share the gospel. We are. And what do we share? We practically share what God is doing in our lives through the good news. Sharing the impact of God's word on our lives. We share the impact the church is having on our lives. I totally love this place. This is my home church. This is going to be my home church till the day I take my last breath. And I love, I dig what God is doing here at Anderson Hills. Every particle of ministry that is taking place here. We need to have a testimony come freely from our lips about what God is doing through the ministry of the body of Christ. We need to have that testimony also come freely from our lips of how we became a Christian. Can you tell someone in like two minutes your testimony about how you came to Jesus Christ? Can you share that good news? You see, wherever God calls us, he wants us to bring the good news of the gospel with us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 10, 14 and 15. And he asks some questions here. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you have beautiful feet? Do you have beautiful feet? Some of you are probably going, you don't want to see my feet, man. Too much toe jam. A little bit of fungus thrown in too. But no, those who bring good news, Paul would say, your feet are beautiful. They're so beautiful because you use those feet to walk into the life of another. To share your faith. To share your love. God's love. And hope. And good news. Man. This world just desperately needs people. People of faith. People who the existence of God's love permeating their lives. And the greatest hope ever. So many people are cynical. They're worried. They're lacking love. They don't know what love is. Empty of faith. Deprived of hope. The reality is, what we have to offer the world is the greatest, most transformational information ever in the existence of the universe, of all time. The good news. We have the message about the greatest love story ever told and the hope of the world. We have the message about the Son of God who came, who took on human flesh, who lived a perfect life, who ministered to all, who healed, who also died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. So that we can have full access to God. And then not only that, who overcame death 
through the resurrection. You know, I've heard it said, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. That couldn't be more wrong. It's vitally important that we do use words. It's so, because it means that God can bring salvation through our lips, outward to others, to share his story. And it's God's job to change their lives. Think about all that God has done for you in the past and all that God is doing in you right now in your reality. Recall the wonderful acts of Jesus Christ that set you free into abundant life. That personally ministered to you by the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit. Begin to make that list. Begin to share that list. And let it roll off your tongue to others. You see, God calls us to model the gospel too. We are called first to be disciples and then to make disciples. So every Christian, think about it, is simultaneously both a learner and a teacher. Through the New Testament, we are to live out uh, uh, Jesus every day through those writings and to know in those writings that we have the words to be able to proclaim and to model through those words, listening to them and learning from those words. And then we are to live our lives as faithful followers so that all who look at us will know that we are learning from the Lord and that increasingly our lives look and sound like Jesus Christ. You ever met a person where you're like, man, that, that person's like Jesus. That person reminds me of Jesus it's supposed to be about what all we are about. It's our highest priority. Philippians 3, 17, Paul writes about being a model. He says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Now, Paul is not being egotistical. Paul knew that he lived with integrity before God. He also just admitted that he's still in the process. If you read all of this chapter, he's still in the process of coming to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So he is not implying that he is sinless and perfect, but his life was an example before these other Christians on how believers should live. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we should show in very practical ways how we walk with God, and how we deal in our relationship like Jesus Christ, deal with people, and above all, how to love. You know that song that goes, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that all unity may one day be restored, and they'll know we are Christians by our what? It's not a t-shirt. It's not a bumper sticker. It's not a necklace. It's by our love. The love of God permeating our lives that becomes the action. And some of the greatest love that we can pass on is the gospel story and our testimony within that gospel story. By our love. It's the love of God infiltrating our lives to where we love on people. Like I said, Maybe don't know or have experienced what love is. 
You know, the most helpful source for spiritual growth for me, apart from studying the Bible, has been watching people I love and respect pattering, uh, pattering their lives and learning from that pattern in their life, especially the way they love and love Christ. I often talk about my, my grandmother who passed away in 1989, Mary Coleman, and she was a short, short gal. But she was wide, too. She would say, I'm not fat. I'm fluffy. And boy, she was fluffy. And she was an incredible Catholic lady. I would stay with her a couple weeks every summer. And she would take me uh, to, to Mass. And then we would light candles. And she, I would hear her praying for me. And she'd point at me after praying for me and say, you know, don't you want to become a priest? Man, that was the highest score you could ever obtain in a Catholic family. If it, but I fell in love. I didn't become a priest. became a pastor in the United Methodist Church. <laughs> but she lifted me up into a higher faith reality. She would take me on the metro bus. And that was so cool for an Indiana country boy. And she'd go to take me to nursing homes. And I would see her just visit her friends. And introduce me to her friends. And I would see her love for people. She planted seeds within me. That are being lived out right now. In my existence. And in my reality. And it was over 30 years ago. Well it's probably going on 40 years ago now. And I want to carry on that legacy. You know God is always trying to strip away my selfish tendencies my friends. Working in me. To be all he wants me to be. And God's not finished yet. On this side of heaven, he will never be finished. You know, when I work on my sermon, God's always poking and prodding through the Holy Spirit saying, have these words become you, Jonathan? Is what you're writing and soon will be proclaimed being practiced? And that, that convicts me at times. It's like, i got to practice what I preach. My words must become action like those that I know and love. This reminds me of a poem titled Sermons We See by Edgar Guest. And this is a, a very, very old poem. And Edgar writes these words. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all preachers are the people who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands and actions, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might understand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. That's a great poem. Great poem. My friends, your life means more than you'll ever know. More to this world than you'll ever realize. Especially when you display Christ in all of your motives and actions. 24-7, 365. 
Our family, our friends, our neighbors, and our coworkers need to see faith in Jesus Christ in action. And now more than ever before, people need to hear and see that hope of the gospel message of salvation coming through and permeating through us. When you're an imitator of the Lord, you become a model of how a person of faith should live and act. Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, he said that he and most early converts to Christianity were won to Christ not by books or sermons, but by observation of Christians on how they lived and how they died. And it still works that way today. When we keep our focus on Jesus and live our lives out loud for God, for all to see as well, we will know the, the true joy of being our authentic selves in Jesus Christ. Weaknesses and all. You know, each of us has been issued the same 24 hours each day. And we can decide on how to invest those 24 hours. And the fact is, we have to find a way to take care of what is important to us and our ideals. And the good news is, did you hear it in the Great Commission? We are not on our own. In that Great Commission, Jesus promised to be with us. Doesn't that sound incredible? And lo, I will be with you all until the very end of the age. Whatever Christ calls us to do, he gives us grace to do. And he is with us as we do it. He promises, I'll be with you. And just insert your name there. Who is God prompting you to share your faith and hope with? Who is God calling you to come alongside and to mentor in faith through your words and through your actions? I want to share with you uh, part two of a video clip of Marge Putman. It shows one of the amazing ways God used her. And this video shows Marge and a young woman named Jess. Let's look at this together. So I met Jessica when she was 11 or 12 years old in seventh grade. And she was in our confirmation class at our church and I was one of her mentors. And so she and I went through the confirmation process and um, went away to camp and had a great time and got to know each other and um, really started her on her faith journey. And um, after confirmation, as she was in high school, um, I continued um, being in touch with her. And Jess and the other young lady and I did a Bible study on every young woman's battle. And we would meet every week at the Chinese buffet and eat some food and talk about awkward subjects mm -hmm. uh, and what God had to say about them. And it wasn't until after going to that Chinese restaurant and, you know, meeting weekly um, that we really built this foundation of trust. And, you know, she quickly became a a big influence in my life and um, a mentor, second mom basically. She really started pouring into me and being an example of what a Christian is and what a disciple is. And then just graduated from high school and we stayed loosely in contact, but her mom would stay in contact with me 
um, just took some really hard turns in her early 20s that um, caused a lot of concern for a lot of people. There was a time where I wasn't close to God anymore. I had kind of gone down my own path, I guess you could say. I wasn't living the life that I was supposed to live. And um, Marge and I weren't as close, unfortunately, during that time. Um, but through that, she really pushed for me to get to where I needed to be, um, come back and live the life that she knows I'm supposed to live. Her mom and I had a pact that we prayed that God would bring her back, and he did. And now she is a married young woman, has a wonderful husband, and is living uh, the life that, that God created her to live. Mm -hmm. They were constantly fighting for me, um, praying for me. You know, I, I didn't see it at that time, but afterwards, um, it was really nice to know. And then over time, Marge and I became close again, probably closer than before. Um, I work for her now, so getting to see her a lot more than I was is just extremely great. I mean, she she's such a great example. Um, just how she interacts with everyone and how she carries herself, I mean, just perfect. Now I am happily married to a, an amazing Christian guy. Um, Pastor Mark actually married us and we go to church every Sunday. We have Christian friends that we all pour into each other. We are so excited to live this Christian centered life and build that foundation for our kids so that I can take what Marta has um, equipped me with and then do what she did with confidence um, to then disciple onto others. All I can say is I just love the strong Christian woman you have turned out to be. I've loved to see God work in your life and just have you be the woman you are now. And I love you. I love you. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Wow, Marge. she got beautiful feet, man. Marge Putman, take a look at her feet. Good news. Who's one person you can disciple? One person you can invest in intentionally. As you leave worship today, take one of these tags. And on the back of that tag, write some names of people that you know. That you know you can invest in and pray for. And just keep that tag before you. And then those opportunities will be just opened up. God will do that. God's working, wooing, and desires to utilize you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we pray that you would uh, draw us nearer to you in that relationship of love so that we can be filled with your love to share with this world. And God, we pray that the intentionality would fill us, fill our lives to minister to those you know and love who you want to woo into relationship and make a disciple God multiply may we become multipliers and we ask this
in the strong and powerful name, the one who loves us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.